Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. So this is the third of, of four, four messages in this, in this series, Four Actions Every Relationship Needs. And, and the thing is, the, the first two messages are ones that I think might be considered a little bit countercultural, not, not necessarily in the main flow of, of, uh, of what our society believes. Uh, number one, we talked about how important it is if you want to have healthy relationships, whether it's friendships, marriages, dating relationships, whatever it might be, work relationships, there has to be a casting of vision, a, 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 a creating of a picture of an ideal future in your mind that includes Jesus Christ. And we base that on that, that passage, you know, uh, two are better than one, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Last week, Pastor Dan talked, us, talked to us about creating balance. That, too, I think is a little bit countercultural in the sense that, that uh, we talked about from Ephesians 5, that husbands and wives' uh, dating relationships, we create balance when the husband loves the wife as Christ loved the church, and the wife uh, submits to and respects the husband as the church submits to Christ. Now, that's, that's not a message that you hear a lot in our culture today. And so that's how, but that's how God says you create balance in relationships. Today is about communication. It's about the signals that we send. And when we talk about sending signals, obviously words are very important, but signals include far more than just words. This is what I'll say. Our starting point on this is very very similar. I mean, the messaging that you get about communication and relationships in our culture is very strong, and, and we, could, we could totally get on board with a lot of it. I'm just going to share a couple of uh, quotes just to show you what I mean. So here, here's a quote, and I'll, I'll read it off my sheet, but this is a very well-known person, very successful person, Microsoft co-founder, co- it's easy for me to say, co-founder Bill Gates. Um, He says, communication skills and the ability to work well with different types of people are very important. Software innovation, like almost every other kind of innovation, requires the ability to collaborate and share ideas with other people and to sit down and talk with customers and get their feedback and understand their needs. Clearly, Bill Gates believes that Microsoft would not have even existed nor been nearly as successful without the power of great communication. Here's another one, maybe you've heard of Virgin Group, Sir Richard Branson. Again, very wealthy, very successful in the business world. Uh, And I, I love this first sentence in his quote, communication makes the world go round. Man, as a Christian, I can, I can get totally on board with that. It facilitates human connections, that too, and allows us to learn, grow, and progress. It's not just about speaking or reading, but understanding what's being said, and in some case, cases, what's not being said. Isn't that beautiful? That's true, right? That often it's about body language and expression and volume and tone and, and, and our actions matching our words. Completely understand this and agree with it. 
Um, how about Warren Buffett from Berkshire Hathaway, one of the richest men in the world? He's talking to a group of uh, um, graduate students who are, who are graduating. So they've gone to four years of college, now they've completed four years master's degree. And they're graduating with their master's degree. And this is what he says to these young people. He says, at your age, the best way you can improve yourself is to learn to communicate better. Without good communication skills, you won't be able to convince people to follow you, even though you see over the mountain and they don't. You might be a great visionary, he says. But if you can't communicate your vision, no one will come along with you. Beautiful. This is, this is good stuff. Even in marriage relationships, I found this quote from Carol Lawler, who writes for Parenting.com and for uh, the Today Show. She says, for us, meaning for her and her husband, the secret seems to be in staying quiet about one another's insignificant faults but at the same time, speaking up when needed, like over essential things, character things, big things, kid things, but mostly in doing so gently and with respect. Sometimes we do it loudly, I guess, but we choose our battles carefully. Perfection in any relationship is just an illusion. It's not always roses and champagne. It's hard work. It is disagreement sometimes. It's choice, it's forgiveness. It's acceptance. Not one of these quotes comes from the Bible. And yet, I think as Christians, we can look at a quote like that and go, that is beautifully stated. And, and get on board with it. Here's the thing, though. When we take another step, on the basis of agreeing with our culture and society that all of our communication with one another can get stronger, it can get better. That sometimes our communication, maybe oftentimes our communication gets broken. It breaks down between us and our spouse, us and our friend, us and our coworker, us and our children. When we begin to ask ourselves, how can we change that? How can we keep improving and how can we keep advancing and getting better at sending signals? to one another so that our communication is more accurate, more loving. Here's where things are gonna diverge onto two pathways. Culture taking one pathway, we as Christians taking a different pathway. And the divergence is gonna center around this. The answer to the question, how are we going to get better at communicating and sending the right signals? For most, if you, if you read a lot on this topic in culture and society, what you're going to get are tips and techniques. If you read what Jesus says, he's not gonna talk about tips and techniques, he's gonna talk about ties, meaning who do you have a relationship with? And specifically meaning, do you have a relationship with me? Are you tied to me? Are you tied to the Holy Spirit and, and to his power and authority for your life? Are you tied to my love for you, my forgiveness for you, my power and strength and authority for you? Are you tied to me? Not tips and techniques. Here's how I would picture it. If we're talking about sending signals, communicating, 
a picture, a transmitter. And the world's way, the, the culture's way of dealing with this is saying, if you want to get better at communication, we need to adjust these knobs on the outside. We might need to change the frequency. We might need to change the volume. We might need to change the, the tone, a little more treble, a little bit less bass. But our culture's approach is on the outside with tips and techniques, which is akin to twirling the knobs. What we're going to read in just a moment is Jesus is going to say, you can twirl the knobs all you want, mess around with tips and techniques on the outside, try to change the rules of communication. It's not about rules. It's about relationships. It's not about tips and techniques. It's about ties. In other words, it's not about the knobs. It's about the circuit boards on the inside. If you want your communication to change for the better, we gotta switch out some of those circuit boards because they're burned out, they're broken, and they don't work right. Now Jesus uses a little bit more contemporary to his own time example to illustrate this, so let's, let's read it. Luke chapter six, verses 43 to 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Now, I want you to underline and star the last phrase here. This is what we're really going to be motoring on today. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The transmitter broadcasts what the circuit boards allow it to. The tree produces whatever kind of tree it is, the, uh, the appropriate fruit. And so here's our first point. This is Jesus' first point. It's not uh, very hard to see what his point is, but let's write it down. The heart of a person determines the signals the person produces. When you open up your mouth, Jesus says, all you're doing is giving the overflow of your heart. You're, you're just opening up and those words reveal what's going on here in your chest. Now, Jesus actually, though, and you may not have noticed this part, tells you what he means with this word heart. He doesn't mean, obviously, the physical heart. What he means is your identity and your character. How do we know he means identity and character is what heart means to him? Because it's all about identity here. He says, if you're a tree, you bear fruit. That's identity. Character is, if you're a good tree, you bear good fruit. But if you're a bad tree, which by the way, that word in the original doesn't just mean bad, it means rotten and putrid and completely like inedible spoiled fruit. So you can picture those bananas that sat too long on the counter, right? This is, it's not good for consumption anymore. Your words, in other words, Jesus is saying, if they're coming from a bad heart, are not going to be fit for consumption for others. So it's identity. Trees bear fruit. 
It's also character. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. And, and notice that he underlines this identity and character thing. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from something that identifies as a thorn bush. And they don't pick grapes from something that identifies as a briar. So at the core, Jesus says if we want to, to, to send the right signals, we have to step back and say, who are we? Who are we? What's our identity? And here's the beauty. The gospel tells us what our identity is. And you've heard it from this stage countless times if you've been here. You know exactly who you are because of what Jesus has done for you. You don't, you don't have to measure your identity by your performance. You don't have to, to try to figure out who you are because you're going through a season in your life and your mid-age crisis and all. No. That's all behind us as Christians because we know exactly who we are. We are dearly loved children of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And that's who we are every day. It's who we are when we succeed. It's who we are when we fail. It's who we are when people love us. It's who we are when people hate us. It's who we are all the time. Dearly loved children of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Character? Jesus answers that one too, doesn't he? He says, my blood shed on the cross for you <laughs> washes you clean. Now let's, let's be honest, that's not where we start. We had a baptism today and we, we talked about this. We baptize because when we're born into this world, we're separated from God and we're sinful. We're not, we're not naturally good people. There's a countercultural message for you because most of the time in, in culture, people think most people are good. The Bible says, no, we're not by nature good. We're not good until we're healed. As we're born into this world, we're broken by sin. We're separated from God. We don't have any relationship. We need Jesus' blood and Jesus' righteousness to heal us and cure us and fix us and make us whole and healthy again. But here's the beauty. Through the lens of the cross and the empty tomb, God not only sees you as his dearly loved child, but he sees you as his good and holy dearly loved child because you've been washed clean by all that Christ has done for you. You're forgiven. So that's a great place to start because we know our identity, we know our character in Christ, and that is going to, right there, if we have that relationship with Christ, change the signals that we produce. Now, let me, let me share a little story with you to, to show you how important it is to understand relationship with Christ versus rules, to, to understand a tie to Jesus Christ versus tips and techniques and why that's so important. There was a, a sea captain of a ship sailing through the night on a very, very dark, no moon in the sky, and also very foggy night. And ahead of him, he saw 
what appeared to be the lights of another large ship approaching him. And so he ordered his signalman, he said, send a signal to, to that ship ahead that they need to divert and change course 10 degrees to the south. So the signalman went out and with a light semaphore, sent the signal, change course south to 10 degrees, otherwise we're gonna collide. And very shortly after that, the message came back from the other side, you change course north by 10 degrees. Change south, change north. Sounds like a conversation between me and Julie, actually. <laughs> so the, the guy goes, well, clearly he doesn't understand who's talking to him. He sends the signalman back down. Tell, tell the guy, I'm a captain, and I am telling him, change course south 10 degrees. So that message gets sent. Back comes the message, well, I'm a seaman, first class. You change course 10 degrees north. Now the captain is just like frustrated and incensed. So he says, all right, send this message. Tell him we're a battleship. You change course 10 degrees south. And so that message gets sent. Back comes the message. I'm a lighthouse. You change course 10 degrees north. Do you see that your identity, battleship, or lighthouse might determine what signals get sent and actually what realities are possible for you? You see, in, in, in a sense, spiritually, you might say we're, by nature, lighthouses. We're, we're stuck in this rocky territory, and spiritually, we can't move because of our sin. But, but the beauty of the Savior who can change water into wine, who could change a tax collector into a dearly loved follower, a guy named Matthew, is that he can change you from something that can't maneuver at all, that can't move in the direction of God at all, into a battleship that can not only move for God and has ultimate maneuverability, but also can fight with God and defend with God. And that's the beauty of what Paul says next, that when we have the Holy Spirit working with us, the impossible becomes possible and our hearts can change and then what flows out of our hearts can change along with it. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do what, whatever you want. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit, capital S, you are not under the law. You see, he's saying there, you don't need tips and techniques. You don't need rules because your heart has changed. So interesting, I had a conversation over the summer with someone in a 201 class, and we noted that we had had a very common experience of being Christians. And I've shared this with you guys before, so I'll just share my side of it, that my signal sending needed to change a lot, a lot, when I became a Christian at 16 years old. I was, I was not taught 
really solid signal sending in my house. Many of the things I've listed on page two come from me. And, and, and so that had to change. But here's what I noticed. The, the deeper my relationship with Jesus Christ got, the less I needed tips, techniques, and rules because he, him living inside my heart just sort of organically and naturally began to change the heart. And, and as, as it says, as Jesus says, my mouth began to speak from the new things that my heart was full of, not the old things that my heart had been full of. And it, and it, was, it was a change that almost began to happen unnoticeably. And, and frankly, it's also a change that takes a while. If, if I think about the changes that I had to make in regard to my mouth and my tongue, it, it, it wasn't about tips and techniques. It, it's about, it's been completely about a relationship probably with two people, Jesus and Julie. Julie's my, my accountability buddy, you know. When I start to mess up, God sent her to say, no, that's not how we signal each other, right? And, and so you have this, that it is the relationship that matters so much, so much more than the rules. It is the tie that matters so much, not the tips and the techniques. And so Paul is saying, not only does God want us to be tied to Jesus, you, you've often heard Jesus say, follow me. Do you see what this is saying? Galatians, what we just read? This is another person of the Trinity saying, follow me too. The, the Holy Spirit, the one who leads you and me to Jesus, now turns around after he's led us to Jesus and he says, follow Jesus and follow me. And when you do that, good things are going to happen. Write this down. What determines my heart, that is my identity and character, is the Holy Spirit. And he calls me to follow him. When you follow Jesus, when you follow the Holy Spirit, your heart will change. Now, I know all of you are looking forward to this later today. I, I know I am. Um, I want to see how Adrian Peterson plays this afternoon for the Cardinals, don't you guys? I see a few Cardinals jerseys here. That's good. If you watch the game this afternoon, you're going to notice something. If you watch Carson Palmer carefully, you're going to notice that. He's going to check his wrist more often than a guy late for an appointment. And the reason is... The Cardinals have between 150 and 180 plays every Sunday. Think about that, 150 to 180 plays that Carson Palmer has to have memorized. But as a backup, he also has them on his wrist. You might need a backup if you have 150 to 180 plays. Bruce Arians, the coach, is going to call over the headset and say, I want play number 145. He's not going to read the whole strings of words and numbers that Carson's got to then look, okay, what was 145? There's that string of words and numbers. And step into the huddle and look at the players and go, okay. And out comes the string of, a long string, trust me, of words and numbers. 
Can you imagine how important it is for this guy to communicate that call, signal that call properly? Like, his own life is on the line if he doesn't call it properly. We all know that if we watch the Cardinals often enough. But furthermore, the coordination of the team and the success and the touchdowns and the first downs and all of that depend on that communication, on that signal calling. He's got to have it right. And he's got to have it right in the midst of a lot of challenges and things that can change like that. And you, like, in a football game, stuff comes at you fast. Each call is actually three plays. Once the call is made, he's going to check them off. One, two, three. You know what I love about having that picture in my mind? I think that is so much like life. And in fact, what Paul is saying here is you need to have the Holy Spirit, not Bruce Arians, in your headset. And the Holy Spirit has plays that he wants to call for you. And The Holy Spirit wants you to run those plays. Now, what Paul's going to tell us is a little bit more complicated for us is we have a headset that can get tuned into the opposition coach as well. Paul calls the good coach the spirit. Paul calls the opposition coach the flesh, the sinful flesh. And he says, as a believer... (laughs) Both these guys are going to be in your ear calling plays. And as you are tied to Jesus Christ, you need to learn through his power, through the Holy Spirit's power to tune out the flesh's play calling and tune in the Spirit's play calling. Take a look. Bottom of the first page. The acts of the flesh are obvious. In other words, the play calls of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, that's just partying. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. These are the plays that the flesh calls. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me read that again. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You hear what he's saying there? Like often we will define sin as missing the mark or we'll define sin as turning the wrong way away from God. But what Paul is adding to that is this. Sin is missing the mark when you must hit the mark dead on bullseye or it's deadly for you. Sin is turning the wrong direction when wrong direction means driving over a cliff to your own self-destruction and death. That's what he's adding here. That, That we should make no bones about it. That we have to understand really, really clearly that it's not, oh man, I just missed the mark on that one. Didn't quite hit the target dead center. Oh well, I'm human. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is high stakes stuff, Paul says. High stakes stuff. 
And when we sin and when we determine to keep on sinning, sin always leads to self-destruction, starting here and ending up in hell. That's what he means by this. Now Paul goes, what if we listen to the other coach? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Is that not the world you want to live in? That's the world I want to live in. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's no, again, no rules, no tips, no techniques, because your heart has changed. You have a tie. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Follow me. Let's walk together, the Spirit says. You don't have to do this on your own. It's hard to listen to the play call of the Spirit and carry it out. But I'll walk with you. I'll be with you. Let's not become conceited. In other words, thinking only about ourselves provoking and envying each other. Turn the page. Depending on which coach we listen to, we can either send these beautiful right signals or we can send some really horrible signals. Now, as I said to you before, here's some that come from my own life. When I haven't always been listening to the right earpiece in my headset, when I've been listening to my flesh rather than to the spirit. What can happen? Well, we send the wrong signals to each other when we display fits of rage. You know what that is, right? That's like you just, you get so fed up, so frustrated, so angry, you just blow up. And it, and it just wells up within you and you can no longer, you're not even in control of your words. You're saying things likely you don't even mean at this point. It's a fit of rage. Anger has taken over. And that means the flesh is taken over. Resort to gossip. This is what we do when we don't like talking to the person that we're upset with or hurt by. And, and so instead of talking to them and with them, we go around behind their back and talk to others about them and destroy their reputation. I'm going to tell you that if you want to talk about one of the most destructive things you can do to a relationship, it is... Talk stuff about people behind their backs. One of the things that I've just so appreciated in 14 years of Crosswalk is that we have had a culture here that is devoted to not gossiping. And I, I know if the Holy Spirit can help us have a culture of talking to each other rather than about each other behind our backs, he can do that in your families. He can do that in your workplace. But, but it has to start with you right? Gossip. Another word, slander others and tell lies. When you're really ticked at someone, you'd love nothing better than to see their reputation go down the toilet. It doesn't, like, you, it doesn't even have to be an out and out, like, blunt lie. It can be just this little twist, this little shading of the truth to make the other person look bad. And man, I see it happen all the time. Number four, this is kind of the opposite. Use the silent treatment. Anybody ever have? First service, there were people getting bruises on their ribs from their spouses during this one. 
Like, this is what we do when we're afraid to talk up. Like, maybe I'm too angry. Um, Maybe I won't have the wise words. Maybe I better just hold back. And sometimes it's even, I'm so angry, the only way I can let him know is to just give him the silent treatment. He'll catch on. And usually he does. But it's not very productive. And then finally, hypocrisy. Failing to match our actions with our words. We say one thing, but we do the opposite. A a complete lack of integrity. I love that word integrity because it comes from the word integer, which is a whole number. When your actions and your words go the same direction, you are a whole person. If they don't go the same direction, you're a divided person and you're sending divided signals. And that's when people start to call you hypocrite. He doesn't or she doesn't practice what she preaches. Now, I I said this is a high stakes game. You know what the stakes on on these things are? If, If the Holy Spirit isn't the one, the coach we're listening to, you know what it is. It leads to a breakdown of trust, doesn't it? Like if these things keep happening over and over again, they can happen occasionally. We, we, we understand we're not perfect, we're sinful. Things are gonna happen, we're gonna listen to the flesh. But if this stuff keeps happening over and over and over again, unrepentedly with no hope for change, the trust gets broken. Trust between you and your spouse, trust between you and your children, trust between you and your boss or your coworkers, your neighbors. And let me tell you, when Paul says sin leads to hell, that hell doesn't have to wait until after you die. Keep doing these things and your relationships will become a little taste of hell on earth. It'll feel, and you may have even had relationships where you've used that expression like, this is hell, I don't want any part of this. And often it's because of poor signaling created by a heart that is listening to the wrong coach. Here's, let's let's read some passages real quick. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. If you bite and devour, that's the gossip and the explosions. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Your relationships are going to be hell. When he writes to the Corinthians, he's talking about coming to them. For I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. And you may not find me as you want me to be. We might have to have some tough conversations, in other words. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. You see, what he says there, it all leads to a breakdown of order. On the other side, these are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other. Don't hide, don't don't cover up, don't lie. Speak the truth to each other. Because I I will tell you, 
In, in much of our uh, counseling that we do, relationship counseling and coaching, there is nothing more important than gentle, loving honesty. I'm not talking about attacking honesty. I'm talking about gentle, loving honesty. And so many people in relationships hold back on simply obeying Zechariah 8.16. Speak the truth to each other. Of course, speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. And then finally, 1 John 3.18, dear children, this is about integrity and wholeness. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So, write this in. Where the flesh leads, all these result in broken trust. Isn't this beautiful at the end of the day? Because if it really is true, as Jesus says here, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I, I hope you, I'm gonna come out here in a few minutes, I'm gonna say, just go home with that, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The heart's your circuit board. The heart is who you are and what your character is, and it's been your heart, you've gone through a heart transplant because of Jesus. That's, that's the beauty. Jesus has taken our broken hearts and he has made them whole. He has healed them through his grace and mercy and forgiveness. You have new circuit boards installed. You have a new heart that by God's mercy and grace has been given to you because you have Jesus living there. And trust me, when Jesus comes to live in your heart, he's gonna do a renovation first. It's gonna look way better than HGTV when Jesus comes to live here. And so you have that. And your heart is full with love and peace and forgiveness. And so now Jesus says, tune into that. Be there. And, and furthermore, he says, do you, remember what, do you remember what my good friend John, the disciple, the apostle called me? He called me the word. The word? Yeah, the word. Meaning, I am the perfect communicator with the perfect communication for you. And as your savior, not only do I forgive you, but I give you all my credits as a perfect communicator, all my credits as a perfect communication. They're yours now. In the sight of God, you're perfect, you're holy, you are the best communicator that ever lived. Now you might say to yourself, oh, I don't feel that way yet. But the truth is, in Christ, you're already there. Perfect in every word, perfect in every action, a person of integrity because of Christ's forgiveness and righteousness. Look at what John writes. The word became flesh and he did that for you. And he made his dwelling among us right here. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. What an amazing savior, full of grace and truth for you. And now your heart filled with him and with the power of the Holy Spirit allows you also to be a person full of grace and truth. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. 
Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have recreated and healed our hearts so that our mouths can now speak from the fullness of these hearts. Lord God, Heavenly Father, none of this would be possible without your Son, our Savior. We need his forgiveness every day for the wrong signals that we send and from the wrong words that come out of our mouths, for the wrong actions that come off of our feet and our hands. Please forgive us, Lord. We're truly sorry for the sins we commit against you and those we love. And Lord, we know we have that forgiveness. We're confident of that because we're confident of the cross and the empty tomb. So Lord, fill us now so that our hearts are so full that when our mouth speaks, it speaks from the fullness of your love that lives within us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's do that last fill-in. Where the Spirit leads, I don't, I don't suppose I can convince you I did this intentionally, can I? <laughs> I didn't do it intentionally. Where the Spirit leads, he leads us to Christ, to forgiveness and restoration, to renewed hearts and change to signals.